goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. That's great. So actually, so uh, Abel, you're coming on the show from UK, as Peggy mentioned. And uh, so taking that as a cue, uh, I would like to ask you um, segue into uh, the personal journey, right? So far, we talked about your professional journey, BAE systems and from HR into data governance and to EasyJet from you know, engineering organization to uh, airline, right? So along the way, I'm sure on your personal journey, uh, so let us know, uh, how did you progress? I mean, were you in UK all, all your life or uh, how did you oh. come into this area? If you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so on a personal journey for me, I, I've been in the UK. I came into the UK to come study. Um, so originally I'm from Nigeria, but um, also I'm British as well um, in terms of nationality. So I'm dual national. Mm -hmm. um, I came to the UK to come study to do my um, university education. Um, did that, at, like I said, from the University of Lincoln, uh, where I study human resources. Um, Lincolnshire is in England, um, mm -hmm. to be specific, but also where I did my postgraduate in terms of my master's is in Strathclyde, which is in Glasgow, which is in Scotland. Mm. Um, for those people that don't know, um, the United Kingdom is made of four different countries, um, Scotland, England, Wales, and, and, and I, Northern Ireland as well. Um, but it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you go over 70,000, I'm sorry, over 70 million people. Um, but you, London is the hub where things are really happening. You know, So most people can know London, what's going on in London, but there are other parts of the UK that really things are happening. So for example, Edinburgh, um, that's really great financial services, you know, Scotland as well. They're really good tech companies as well and all that as well. And just across the place and there are most hubs. So I came in, um, I studied in England, but also came up to Scotland as well to study. And mm. what that gave me is that it gave me a really good insight in terms of length and breadth of the island. Um, in terms of the people, um, I've worked in London several times as well. Um, I was part of the London 2012 Olympic um, team um, that delivered the Olympics game in London. That was in summer 2012. Um, but just being in that space, um, like I said, one of the key things for me, just studying HR, was able to understand people from a psychological um, point of view, understanding the behaviors, what really drives people in terms of their motivation. Mm -hmm. And once I was able to understand that, I said, I found out that, okay, technology is a key piece as well. So most HR companies, much HR functions would have a technology to hold employee data, would have a technology to hold the training and development data, would have a technology to help them with their succession planning, with their workforce planning and every other thing that HR does. So in that space, I started seeing how important data is important. Even for example, diversity and inclusiveness as well. They need mm -hmm. to hold those data because some organizations are mandated to hold those data in order to draw an insight around the demographic of their organization. So in that space, I felt that, okay, that's really, really good. But I really would like to step into the other side and having the opportunity in BAE systems, um, working there, um, global organization, understanding that I can bring in my people experience and then 
put that in with the data management, I think that was a really good ingredient for me. Um, so I've lived in the UK for two decades plus now, and uh, and, and 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 I'm enjoying it. Um, I call this um, unfortunately, I know the UK and Europe much more than any other place, but I'm hoping that I can have opportunity to go to America, you know, and go to the Middle East, you know, and even back to Africa as well. You know, I'm just talking about what I'm passionate about, which is data management. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak to you guys over in the over in, over in the United States as well. No, it's our pleasure to have you, Abel. And just to bring, you know, again, more diversity in terms of data and data management. Um, you know, actually, one question I have for you, Abel, is, you know, throughout your journey, did you have a mentor or influencer? Because, I mean, you're, you're, you are really able to tie together the importance of the human psychology of, of HR work and data really well. And I'm just wondering if you had anyone, like, coaching you or you looked up to during your career? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mentors are really great. I can remember far back my first mentor, you know, as part of my, my degree, I had the opportunity to, my degree is a sandwich degree. What that means is that you have a, a year placement. I did my year placement for Cummins Engine Company. Cummins Engine Company is a um, Fortune 500 in America, the headquarters in Columbus. Um, and um Ohio and um, yeah, in that space, even as a placement student, I was someone that really admired, which was the HR director, um, bless her heart, Joseph Portinger. And I was just seeing how she was using data and engaging with the people, even when the environment was unionized, but mm -hmm. the way she was going about it, she was the HR director for Europe, Middle East and Africa. So she had a very big team, a length of breadth of scope. But then when I went back to uni, I was like, this is really, really cool because it made me just think about organization, understand how organization operates. Um, but then when I went back to uni and then I finished uni as well, I then had the opportunity to work for what I call tech sector. So this is like charity. So mm -hmm. I was able to see the value, you know, you can bring into communities as well, you know, and support people as well from an organizational point of view. And I wasn't even talking about the, the FTSE 100 or the Fortune 500 organization, but just seeing that diversity in terms of the experience, but also doing some contracting roles as well, where I was part of teams that set up a new joint venture organization, bringing people to what we call a TUPI, bringing them from different organizations to form a one company and then establish the organization to run. So just understanding that, that just helped me to, to say, wow, okay, this is really interesting, not just HR, but this is about people. And because work for me plays a majority, I'll say work is people tie their identity to what they do. You know, they're proud about what they do, um, just like me. Um, they're proud about what they do, who they work for. So I just started having those understanding and that just really helped me out. So uh, what I did was, okay, what would be the next target? What would be the next project for me? So I had the opportunity to go in to work for the London 2012 Olympics um, um, committee. And the reason for that was because it was once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, I was able to serve and I was able to work and deliver what I had to deliver. And then after that, I had the opportunity to work for um, MBA system. So each of my journey has been a deliberate intention um, to move to the next thing. But more importantly, to be strategic about that. And each of these, I've always have mentors. You know, um, I've got great mentors, you know, great line managers that mentored me. But one of the person I always talk about right now, 
I'll call out my mentor is Nicola Ashcombe. Um, Nicola is amazing. Um, I know her you know, too. She's, yeah, yeah, Nicola is amazing. I always give her a shout out. You know, I've got people like my conference. I've got people like, you know, Diana Jones, you know, Laura as well. Adefe, you know, not Caroline as well, Peter. So there are really people that necessarily from a mentor point of view, they don't need to officially say they are your mentor. But what you do is that you follow them on social media, on LinkedIn, you see the stuff that they are posting, you're interested in their articles, you know, you understand where they're coming from. And obviously you just read more. You know, I, I read a lot, you know, with other reviews, McKenzie reports, those things just help me to widen my scope and and just, you know, help me to get tapping to those knowledge from those people as well. And that's what I always encourage people to do. You might not really have an official mentor, mm -hmm. but you can have what I call indirect mentors around the place. And you certainly can learn it in or two from them. Excellent perspective. I, mean, I, I, I have to give, you. yeah. Yeah. I, I have to give a shout out to Caroline. Caroline Caruthers and Peter Jackson. They're like excellent yep. folks. Yeah, I consider them people I look up to as well. So I do as well. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's a small community of people, uh, you know, so kind of we know each other well, either directly or indirectly. And it's, yeah. it's also a good network. The, what I found is that uh, they support each other. It's, it's not fighting among themselves or, you know, all of them support themselves. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the areas, as you were speaking, that came to my mind, and this is a little bit personal, a little bit touchy topic. So feel free to touch upon as much as comfortable um, you are with this topic, okay? So which is, uh, you are a minority professional, Abel. there is uh, yep. no second uh, things about it. So being a minority professional, what has it been like? Um, is, uh, um, you know, in one sense, it's been challenging, but also in other sense, it's been quite intriguing and obviously, um, you know, humbling as well, um, because there's so much on your shoulders to live up to. But more importantly, you just need to, um, you know, navigate the way for other people because you can see just behind you there are other people hoping to come on, on board as well and go through the road that you've created. And one of the key things I always try to do is to recognize that responsibility as well. Um, I remember I did um, an interview for one of the road, um, the radio, the local, um, it's called, an, you know, a local Afro Caribbean radio in Glasgow, which I just talked about that in that platform as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and saying that, I think, you know, for, from a UK point of view, you know, in terms of minority, absolutely, we, where I come from, we're not a dominant group. However, I still believe fundamentally that we have a role to play in the space. Um, I still believe that um, there's nothing um, that's really as a negative. Uh, we just need to create the opportunities as well and making sure that we put put our stake in and, and contribute to organization and deliver. Uh, I found out that, that sometimes as well, you've got people from the minority level that are doing the entry roles, you know, the analyst roles, the little entry roles and all that. But then when it comes to things like CDOs and head of departments and all that, they are quite few, far between. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that we can have some succession planning and having structures where we can bring people you know, from the minority group into those spaces as well. So they can be CDOs as well. And I think that's absolutely 100%. I don't see the reason why I can't be a CDO. Um, absolutely. Or someone else cannot be the CDO. Um, it shouldn't be anything that have to do with color or ethnicity or, 
or you know or even background as well i think it has to just be with your competencies and just understanding you're passionate about what you're doing so so yeah i'm hoping that that was going to happen um i'm hoping that um the more we work hard um just keep our head down i certainly that's going to come it's just a matter of time thank you and i think you would you would make a fantastic cdo just with your your passion and your experience and just understanding the the um, you know you know you've been in so many industries so you know really the full life cycle of how data should be I managed. agree with Peggy one hundred percent there. Thank you so much. I take that as a compliment, but thank you so much. For sure. So actually, one question um, that I always ask my fellow data governance um, team people, friends, colleagues are, um, where do you think? a chief data officer should reside in an organization? Who should he or she report into in order to be most- The chief effective? executive. The chief executive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%. Because the reason I say that is that, you know, when you see organization where the finance director is reporting to someone else, and then that person is reporting to the chief executive, those organizations never do well. When you see organization where the IT director is reporting to the finance director, those organizations just never capitalize in the opportunities as well. Remember, one of the key things that's so important, I always say to people, you've got to maintain your, competi your competitive advantage. Um, you know, and I think that if you're gonna bring in a CDO, you should bring a CDO where the person is lined up to the executive team, reporting to the chief exec or pretty much into the board. The reason for that is because, you know, there's still people that needs to be managed. There's still investment in terms of investment in technology. There's two processes that needs to be set up as well. And some of these processes cut across the enterprise, across the business. And there are still people that need to go into every part of the business. So it could be operations, non-operations, you know, um, it could be the core part of the business or or the supporting or the, you know, whatever it is. So so data is important. So being responsible are obviously having that reporting line to the chief executive or the leadership or the the executive board, I think that's 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 the right place to be. That's okay, good. another follow-up question for you, Abel, sorry. But Peggy, let me ask you a what? question though. Uh, how many times have you seen that case? What Abel is, uh, you know, I, I agree with reporting him. Reporting to the reporting to the CEO? I mean, I haven't heard of it. Uh, I think it reports into like, yeah. uh, like a chief risk officer or, you know, the chief financial officer. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I've observed here. Again, my-, my And there's a reason for that. There's a reason yeah. for that I say that. You know why? Because we need to mature our profession. You know, I remember, you know, 20 years ago, just coming into HR, one of the things we talk about in, you know, our lectures were, you know, just HR having a place. Um, it used to be called personal management. Um, most of the thing we do in the UK, we tend to copy sometimes from the United States as well. We we, we have courses like Japanization as well, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that over time now, HR has had the place in the boardroom now. So you, you wouldn't see an HR director reporting to anyone else but the chief executive. So I think that the same should happen for data management profession, but we have to do a lot within the profession so that we can mature and then people can value the, the, the can understand the value we're bringing to the table because the board is absolutely competitive. Um, you know, when you get into a boardroom, when you go to sit with a chief executive, they don't have all the time in the day. 
they want to make sure that if you're going to be in the room with them, you're bringing value to the table. And I think CDO can do that. But I think the CDO needs to understand that they can do that. He or she can do that in order to be there. So they're not going to give it to you for free. You have to work yourself up for you to for you to make that happen. And that's one of the, 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 the strange change that's happening at the moment. So even in FTSE 100, non-FTSE 100 organization, 14500 in the in the US as well, you definitely see those sort of relationship, which you know is a bit questionable, but also is understandable for now. Sure. I mean that that's great advice. And maybe for those of um, everyone in the audience, what advice do you have for someone who wants to start a career in data governance because you know they've just been so enamored by everything you've said so far? What tangible pieces of advice would you um, give for them? I would say to them, jump it right into it. Um, there's always a place to start. Um, get into the trenches. I call that. I call those places trenches um, because in the trenches, that's when you're gonna start honing some of the skills as well um, because. Um, fundamentally, you've got to have some core argument um, in terms of skills to help you and competencies, if that's the word you prefer. Um, and just get right into it. Um, it's not too complicated. Um, some part of it is common sense, but some part of it is just understanding and looking at things from different lenses as well. And I think that from a strategic point, a tactical operational point, so just get right into it. It's a really good place that you can build your, 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 your career. I always say to people, because of the amount of automation that is coming out, AI is coming out, you know, digitalization is coming out, you'll never get it wrong at all. There's always gonna be something for you to do. There's always gonna be a project. There's always gonna be a proposition that is gonna interest you anyway. So just jump into it and um, you certainly will be fine. Hey, um, that's, that's uh, you know, great advice. So Abel, you've been a data transformer from a human resource professional to a data transformer. Uh, on this Data Transformer podcast. So are there any specific courses or uh, certifications or uh, you know, websites that you could recommend uh, following up on Peggy's question, somebody who wants to be a transformer or who wants to be more proficient in, in this data management? Yeah, I, was, I always recommend firstly for people to engage with the DAMAR, uh, which is the Data Management Association body. Um, it's everywhere, it's in Canada, it's in the US, it's in the UK, it's in other countries, in Scandinavia, it's in South Africa. I guess over time, the next 10 years or so, you definitely have most countries will be having one form of, of DAMAR you know, existing. Um, check it out, I think it's very useful, um, but more importantly, um, you know, from a certification point of view, DAMA do provide some certification, but you can read the, 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 the book of knowledge. So they've got what they call the DAMA DIMBOK, um, read that. Um, you don't necessarily, from data management point of view, there are core elements from BI to master data management, data quality, data governance. You know, you can start from some of those places as well. You don't need to be jack of all trade, master of none. You can just specify on data governance if that's what your, your thing is um if you love control not control governance compliance and stuff like that great if you like to be a bit techie as well um a bit technical you can do some stuff around data quality as well you can do some stuff around bi as well if you like visualization and all the stuff as well you can do master data management that different aspect of data if i one of the buzzword nice data science is all part of data management Yep. You know, if you like to write codes as well, you know, helping people to provide 
transform using data to come up with product as well for the business, certainly, and their space as well. So I always say, go to the DIMBOK, read the DIMBOK, which is the Data Management Book of Knowledge. But there are absolutely great book out there, you know, uh, but I would say that's for a start. Um, there's loads of information on the website as well, um, you know, free information. People are written stuff as well. Um, so some of the um, technology companies as well, you know, do push out some reports and, you know, to help you as well, just to have a think about it. IBM, name them, Calibra, name them, you know, all that there's so many out there um and just just read what they're saying um and, and i think you, you you definitely start getting your head around what this is all about and then once you've got the opportunity to go into an organization some people come into data through like a program so it could be gdpr mm -hmm. right great but that other aspect of that as well so that's just a start and then you start building up from that as well that's that's great great advice and i know that i also talked to a lot of um graduate students who also asked me the same thing and i think your advice is spot on um so abel my my final question for you today before we end the podcast is and you mentioned it earlier is ai artificial intelligence and love to hear what you think how big of an impact or not much it will ai have on data governance um, I think it, it, it would definitely, uh, it would definitely propel data governance activity because AI and data governance is fundamental. Um, if you want to have a good AI, <laughs> you have to then have a proper data governance as well as a data quality, um, because AI certainly is going to pick up from somewhere. Machine learning needs to learn from the data. If you want to culture data, you've got to have a data that you trust in order for that to happen. If yeah. you want to tune data, you've got to have the right data to tune it to get the insight as well. So AI is absolutely fundamental, but data governance underpins AI as well. So that, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the biggest AI today, which people talk about is Google. Um, but yeah, if you go into Google, you certainly know that they manage their data and they, they govern it properly. And that's the reason why we're seeing the tools you're seeing you know, in terms of the end product, you know, and people are engaging with it. So um, data governance is absolutely fundamental. Um, data quality, it is as well. Um, and, and these things work hand to hand. You know, you can't separate them. Um, they're just part of the whole picture, um, part of the team, part of the family. So, and that's the reason why data is, you know, data governance, data management, as we just talked about, is really fundamental um, because AI, great. And AI is going to really interwin with uh, you know we, we, as 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 we keep growing as the data keep increasing ai is just going to be more and more powerful as well and 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 we can get away from it um that's where we are right now so we just need to embrace it and make the best out of it and that's the reason why the data management profession is so fundamental thank you so much abel you know you're truly a data governance thought leader and you know you shared so much of your experience and knowledge and wisdom to everyone on uh podcast today so thank you so much appreciate your your time today yeah i i exactly i mean there's nothing more to say it's been fantastic uh discussion uh today abel um you had a really a transformative journey uh professional and personal so thank you I just want to say thank you for having me. It's been a really pleasure just talking to both of you. I didn't know that the time has flown by, but that's what happened anyway. When you're having a good, when you're having a good time, 
And so thank you for having me. For anybody that wants to follow me, please, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Abel, A-B-E-L. My surname is Abo, A-B-O-H. Look me up on LinkedIn. You're more than okay to follow me. I'm on Twitter as well. I think it's um, Abel um, DM underscore champion. Um, yeah, I always tell myself as a data management influencer or data management champion, but I just advocate for the profession and and, and and data management. So yeah, more than welcome to connect with me and I would definitely connect with you back. So thank you for having me and thanks for giving me this opportunity to share this with my, what I've got to say with your audience. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.